Does it feel like something just isn't right in your relationship? Maybe you just have this gut feeling when you're around your spouse or significant other, or maybe you get anxious or afraid, or maybe there's some friends or relatives that are worried about the relationship you're in. Well, how do you know if you're in a, not just a difficult relationship, but an abusive relationship? Dr. Henry Cloud, in his book, Necessary Endings, talks about three different types of people. He says there are wise people, unwise people, and evil people. Now, at first, these seem like just simplistic categories, but he says that it's really backed up by research, his own clinical experience, and the wisdom of the Bible, especially the book of Proverbs. So what do these three categories mean? Well, a wise person is not necessarily somebody who's smarter or more talented. A wise person is somebody who takes feedback and instruction. For example, you could tell a wise person, you know, when you said that to me, that really hurt my feelings. And a wise person would say, oh, I didn't realize that. I'm so sorry. And they will make the necessary changes. As the Bible says, instruct a wa the wise and they will be wiser still. When it comes to an unwise person, that's the kind of person will not just listen when you talk to them, when you talk about a problem. So, for example, uh, if you tell an unwise person, maybe who's drinking too much, you say, you know what, uh, you're drinking too much. They won't listen to just mere talk. Uh, they'll make excuses. They won't take instruction or feedback. And so you need to stop talking about the problem and you start need to talking about consequences. You, you tell a person like that, you know, if you keep drinking, I'm moving out. And with that kind of person, when they feel the consequences of their actions, they might actually make some changes. And then that leads us to the third category, an evil person. An evil person is not interested in changing. They're actually trying to harm you. They're actually trying to maintain control. As the book of Proverbs says, the wicked crave evil. There are some people who are just craving evil. They want to control you. I've talked to quite a few survivors or, or people in these kind of situations. I've talked to counselors and done my own research. And I've noticed that there are a few weapons that these kind of abusive people use to maintain control. For example, number one, they might use intimidation. They might use physical intimidation or might use words to intimidate you. Number two, they might use name calling or mind games to, to keep changing the storyline that they're telling you to try to make you feel like you're going crazy. They might use isolation. Uh, this means that they'll take you away from your support system, uh, from your family or friends to keep control. They might use finances. They might take the money and put it in a separate bank account and, and keep it uh, as a tool of control. They might use the kids as a intimidation factor. They might use the kids against you or, or say something to the kids to try to make you feel weak or vulnerable. And finally, if you're a Christian, uh, they might use scripture, not as uh, a message of truth and light and forgiveness, but as a weapon of shame and guilt. Now, you might be reluctant to put your spouse or your significant other in that category of an evil person. Well, let me ask you this. As I read through some of those weapons or, or tools of control, um, have you noticed that in your life, not just 
in an isolated incident, but do you see a pattern of behavior over the period of time where, where these tools have been used to control you? If that's true, you might be in a relationship with an abusive, evil person. What the Bible says when you're in that kind of relationship, it's not worth talking to that person, talking about the problem, or even talking about consequences. They're not interested in changing. So here's what the Bible says. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. If you continue to try to talk to this person or even try to, to give them consequences, you're just incurring more abuse on yourself. So what are you supposed to do next? Well, in the next few videos, uh, we'll talk about steps that you can take to get to a place of safety and healing. But for now, I want you to see those different categories and try to figure out which category your spouse or significant other fits into. Let's pray. Lord God, we, we thank you for your word that gives us clarity and light even in difficult situations. We pray that you would give us the wisdom to see our relationships and see who the people are who are in our lives. We ask this in your name. Amen. If you've concluded that you're in an abusive relationship, you need to take some steps to get to a place of safety and freedom. In these next few videos, I'm gonna talk about the steps that you can take. Now, in the first video, I talked about what it's like to be in a relationship with an evil person, an evil, abusive person. They're not interested in talking about their problems, and they're not interested in facing the consequences or making any kind of change. And so you have to stop talking to this person. You need to stop engaging with this kind of person. And that way, it's very similar to the relationship between Moses and Pharaoh in the book of Exodus. Do you know that story? It takes place about 1,500 years before Jesus, when God's people had been in slavery in Egypt for about 400 years. And God called Moses to go and let God's people go free. So when Moses goes and, and confronts Pharaoh, he says, let my people go. And Pharaoh, because he's an evil person and not a wise person, he doesn't listen to Moses' words. In fact, he makes it even harder for God's people, for the Israelites. He makes them make more bricks, uh, and he doesn't give them the straw they need to make it. So he makes things even harder for them. And then, through God's help, Moses sends plagues on Egypt. But Pharaoh's not interested in the consequences. He doesn't make any real kind of change. And so finally, Moses stops talking to Pharaoh. He creates some safe distance, doesn't engage with him anymore, and does anything he can to get God's people free. If you're in that kind of relationship, you need to follow Moses' example. Get to a place of safe distance. No longer engage with that abusive person. Maybe that means you, you don't respond to a text. Maybe that means you, you stay with some family and friends, but do what you can to get to a place of safety. Because every time you engage with that abusive person, you will be re-victimized. And so here's the encouragement that I want to give you. Uh, that, that I know this is scary, uh, hard, uh, it might seem overwhelming, but remember what Moses said to God's people after they were led out of Egypt and they were on the banks of the, the Red Sea. Moses said, the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. So God is with you. He is on your side. Take the necessary steps to get to a place of safety and freedom. Create some distance. Let's pray. 
Lord God, I pray that you would be with all those people who have been in, in abusive situations, that you would give them some safety and some relief. Most of all, give them your presence of your grace and your love. In your name we pray, amen. If you're in an abusive relationship, you need to realize that it's all about control. An abusive person wants to maintain control by any means necessary. That means sometimes they'll even use things like pity or, or apologies to try to maintain your control. They'll make a, a fake apology without actually making any changes. Sometimes they'll use more aggressive ways like fear and intimidation, but it's all about control. And if you realize it's really all about control, that means that the best thing you can do is take a step of independence. And that way, it's very similar to the relationship between King Saul and David. King Saul was the, the first king of Israel. We read about him in the Old Testament. And he was really an abusive leader. And for him, it was all about maintaining control. And he saw David as a threat to his power and control. And so what he did was he, he got David closer to him. He had David marry one of his daughters so that he could have him close and maintain control. Then he made David one of the leaders in his army so that he could put him in dangerous battles. Finally, uh, one day he threw a spear at David just trying to take his life. And then Saul apologized and said he would never do again, that he was a changed man, but David knew better. So one day when David was invited to a banquet, he didn't show up. He took a step of independence. He didn't listen to all of Saul's demands and it actually saved his life. If you're in a, an abusive relationship, it'd be important to follow David's example and take a step of independence. Maybe that means you don't respond to a text. Maybe that means that you go and stay with a family member or friend. Maybe that means you call the authorities in an escalated situation. But whatever it is, you need to realize that you need to take a step of independence. You need to take a step of control. Get back some of your own control. Uh, if you're feeling afraid or vulnerable or, or weak, I think it'd be good for you to read what David wrote when he was facing his abuser, Saul. He wrote this in Psalm 18. I'd encourage you to read the whole psalm, but I'll just read a few selected verses. He said this, I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of, of salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord, who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place he rescued me because he delighted in me. 
That's what David prayed when he was facing his abuser and his persecutor, Saul. And that's what you can pray to. You see, God is on your side. God is grieved by the abuse that you are suffering. In fact, Jesus himself experienced similar abuse. He was tortured, he was stripped, and he was killed. And so you have a God who can sympathize with you in your suffering. And yet now is the time to take a step of independence. Trust on the Lord that he'll be with you and take that small step to gain back some of control. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray that you would be with everyone who is in an abusive situation. Lead them to take wise steps of independence to gain back some of their control. In your name we pray. Amen. The goal of an abusive person is to maintain control. And one of the most effective ways to maintain control is to control your mind and your heart and your emotions and even your soul. I've talked to quite a few survivors of abuse and many of them tell me that they felt like when they were in that abusive relationship, they were going crazy. This is often called gaslighting from the 1944 movie Gaslight, where the abuser tries to make his wife feel like she's going crazy by continuing to change the storyline. Well, if you're in that kind of relationship, you need some help to remap your brain. Your, your body and your brain has been trained to think distorted thoughts. And so it's important to go see a good counselor and therapist to help you remap your brain and create new neurological pathways based on the truth. In the same way, um, if you're a Christian, an abusive person will very often use the scriptures to try to control your heart and your spirit. They will distort scriptures, kind of like what the devil did when he was tempting Jesus, that he would take a, a verse of scripture and rip it out of context and use it as a tool of shame and guilt and control. And very often that's what an abuser will do. And so it's important that you speak to a good Christian counselor or a pastor who's trained in, in understanding some of these power dynamics and what goes on in an abusive relationship. Now, over the years, as I've talked to survivors, I've noticed that, that abusive people have a few favorite Bible passages that they love to use to try to maintain control over their victim. And so I'm going to walk through a few common passages and show you the greater context and the real truth of Scripture. For example, very often, an abusive person will use a verse from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, wives submit to your husbands. They'll say something like, see, the Bible says you have to submit to me and you're sinning. You're not being a good wife unless you submit to me. Well, when you read the larger context of that verse, you read the verse right before that one. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so both husbands and wives are supposed to submit to one another. That means the husband is to submit to his wife. He is to lay down his life for his wife. Paul says that a husband is to look at his wife as if she's perfect and clean and without blemish or stain or wrinkle or without any kind of sin and to be that kind of devoted husband, not to demand submission. Another verse that seems to be a favorite of abusive people comes from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 10 and 11. It says this, A wife must not separate from her husband 
But if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband, and a husband must not divorce his wife. And so very often an abusive person will say, see, you can't separate from me. You can't divorce me. In fact, if you do, you'll never marry again. Ripping that passage out of scripture, uh, out of context in order to maintain control. Because if you would just read a few verses later, you'll see what Paul says next. He says, but if the unbeliever leaves, let it be so. The brother or sister is not bound in such circumstances. God has called us to live in peace. An abusive person is certainly acting like an unbeliever. They're abandoning their marriage vows, and you are not bound in such circumstances, according to the Apostle Paul. He says, God has called us to live in peace. And one more verse. Very often I've heard that abusive people love to use Matthew chapter 18, verse 22, where Jesus is talking about forgiveness. And and he's asked, how many times should I forgive my brother who sins against me? And Jesus says, not just seven times, but up to 77 times. And so the abusive person will say something like, see, you have to forgive me. Why do you keep bringing up the past? Why do you keep uh, talking about what happened before? Forgive and forget, move on. You're not being a good Christian. Well, when you look at the larger context of this section of scripture, um, yes, Jesus does want us to forgive, but he's talking about forgiving a person who's truly repentant, somebody who repents and wants to change and amend their ways. And not only that, when you look at the even larger context, when you look at the beginning of chapter 18, he says that it's better for a person who harms one of these ones that that God loves, harms their victim. It's better for that kind of abusive person to have a millstone tied around their neck and to be drowned in the heart of the sea than to harm one of these people that God loves. In fact, Jesus goes on to say that if a person is abusing one of God's people, that person needs to be confronted, uh, not just by an individual, but confronted by the whole church. And if they will not repent and change, that kind of abusive person should be treated as an outsider and ignored. See, when you look at scripture in the wider context, it should never be used as a tool to create fear and guilt and shame by an abusive person. So I know this is really challenging, uh, but if you've been in an abusive relationship, your mind and your heart and your spirit has been trained to believe lies. And so go see a good therapist, a good Christian counselor, and and a pastor who can help you remap your brain according to the truth. And as Jesus says, it's the truth that will set you free. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray that you would put wise counselors and pastors and Christian leaders in the lives of all those who've been victims of abuse. I pray, Lord God, that you would help us all remap our brains and our hearts and our spirits according to your truth. And through that truth, set us all free. In your name we pray, amen. In the first video, we talked about Dr. Henry Cloud's three categories of people, wise, unwise, and evil. And when it comes to those first two categories, wise and unwise people, they are not intentionally trying to harm you. Uh, They don't recognize it. They don't really want to harm. But when it comes to that 
third category, that evil abusive person, they actually want to harm. They're not going to listen to uh, when you talk to them about problems, they're not going to change even when they feel consequences. They actually just want to maintain control. And so what Dr. Cloud says is when it comes to that kind of person, you need to stop being in helping mode and you need to go into protection mode. So what are you supposed to do? Well, you really need to use all the resources necessary to get to a place of safety and freedom. And one of those resources that you have given to you by God is the governing authorities. Romans chapter 13 talks about this. In that chapter, the Apostle Paul talks about the governing authorities, the people who work in the government, as God's servants. He says this, For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. So if you're in an abusive relationship, it's really important that you uh, have a support system of, of family and friends. It's important that you have an exit strategy. And then if the relationship gets to an escalated position, you really need to make use of the governing authorities. If the abusive person is trying to control the finances, you might need to get a lawyer and, and, and make use of the governing authorities in that way. If you're under physical abuse, you might need to call the police or, or get a restraining order if necessary. But that's what they're there for. The governing authorities are God's servants for your good. I've worked with quite a few people who've taken some of these steps and they've gotten to a place of safety and freedom. And that's what I want for you. When God created marriage and relationships at the very beginning, uh, He created them to be good. But that was in the Garden of Eden, and we live outside of the Garden of Eden. And so sometimes there is abuse and sin and evil even in marriages. And in those cases, you need to do whatever you can to make use of the, the resources that God has made available to you so that you can get to a place of safety and freedom. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the good gift of governing authorities that you have given us as your servants for our good. Pray, Lord God, that you would give us wisdom to know when to use them so that we can get to places of safety and freedom. In your name we pray, amen. Hey everyone, Pastor Mike here from Time of Grace. Hey, thanks so much for taking your time to listen to this message. We would love so many other people to hear about this message too. So if you could think of someone in your mind right now that could use this, we would love for you just to take a moment and share it. Um, that's essentially how people hear the good news of Jesus, believe it, and find eternal life in his name. Thanks for sharing and have a great day.